東京からお届けする G ポッドインターネットでお聞きいただけます URL は外人ポッドトコム Direct from Tokyo Japan This is the G pod Bringing you the best of Japan Anthony Joe hosts the G pod Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the G-Pod. I'm your host, Anthony Joe, and this is G-Pod number 27, brought to you by the Gaijin Pot website. On today's show, we're going to be talking to a woman named Chris Wolf, who has probably the coolest job I've ever heard a foreigner have here in Japan, in that she works as a professional wrestler in the Stardom Professional Wrestling League. Now, you, you think like, you think of many foreigners come to Japan, and the most common job that a lot of people Think that they have is English teaching job, right? Which, which is true. A lot, of, a lot of people have English teaching jobs. But there, every now and then I meet these people who have like just the, the most offbeat,、uh, random job that I never would have thought of that a foreigner could have here. And so when I met Chris, I was surprised to learn that there's actually a number of other female wrestlers、uh, working in Japan. So I decided to invite her on the show to talk about what it's like to work in Japan. What it's like to work as a wrestler. She'd actually never done this before, so she kind of you know, started last year. And for her to talk about her experience of you know, working as a wrestler and what it's like specifically working as a wrestler here in Japan.、Uh, so she's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the show. But before we get to Chris, I want to talk,、uh, talk about my recent ski trip, actually.、Um, As many of you probably know if you listen to the show for a long time, I originally came from Canada, and、uh, Canada is very famous for its skiing. I used to come,、uh, I used to live in Vancouver, which is、uh, which home to the 2010 Olympics, and the、uh, Whistler Ski Resort is really close by. So when I lived there, I used to do a lot of skiing. And then、uh, when I left Canada and I started traveling around living in different countries, I never happened to live in a country that actually had a A lot of good ski options. The last country I lived in before Japan was Thailand, and obviously in Thailand there is no skiing. Maybe water skiing, but definitely not any snow skiing. So I got really excited when I moved to Japan, thinking that, hey, I could go skiing again and enjoy the sport. However, I was a little bit disappointed that when I got here and I started talking to people about, hey, man, I live in Tokyo, like, where can I go skiing? None of the options to go skiing sounded as easy or convenient as what I'd experienced back home. For example, back home, I would just get in my car, drive 30 minutes, and I'd be on the mountain. But here, I talked to people, and the options were well, you can fly an hour up to Hokkaido, or you could take a, a Shinkansen to this area. Or you can take like a five hour overnight bus to this area, get to the mountain at seven in the morning, ski, and then take a five hour bus ride back. So, none of these options sounded tremendously appealing because, I mean, I don't want to travel for five or six hours before I get to the mountain, right? So, then someone told me about this area called Yuzawa. And Yuzawa is a small town about an hour, only an hour outside of Tokyo. So, I decided to give it a try. And I went up to, the,、uh, up to the town of Yuzawa and I went skiing at this mountain called the Gala. And it was such an amazing experience that I wanted to share it with anyone here. If you're thinking about coming to Japan and you maybe you don't have a lot of time, maybe you're traveling or something like that, you just want to get out of Tokyo, do a little bit of skiing, I highly recommend、uh, going to this town of Yuzawa. Now, apparently, in this town of Yuzawa, around Yuzawa, there's a bunch of different ski resorts. So, Uh, depending on your skill level, you can choose a different ski resort. I myself went skiing at the Gala,、uh, the Gala Mountain.
Um, and what makes this particular resort so great is that you can get to it on the Shinkansen, which is the bullet train, in about an hour and 10 minutes from Tokyo. So it's really, really convenient. I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's not as convenient as what I'm used to back home, but compared to some of the other options, it's really convenient. So you, you can get on the bullet train at、uh, Tokyo, I think it's Tokyo or Ueno Station, and then, like, just over an hour, you're right at the resort. And the great thing is, you get off the, the Shinkansen, you're at the station, you take the escalators up, and then boom, you're right actually in the resort. So if you're carrying your gear with you or anything like that, you don't have to do a lot of walking. To the resort or to the ticket area or anything like that. that. This part is really convenient. So you get off the train and you literally go out the train exit and you take like 10 steps and you're at the ticket counter. Get your ticket counter and once you get your ticket, you can either go rent equipment or if you've got your own gear, you walk like another 50 steps or so, you're on the gondola and you're on the hill. So、uh, even, you know, obviously compared to back home, it's not that close because it's still over an hour away. but Um, for Japan, it's probably the closest thing that you can find to Tokyo to be able to go skiing. And like I said, like once you get there, it's super, super convenient.、Um, there's a couple other things I noticed、uh, about this, the mountain, which kind of、uh, struck me as interesting is that one thing I, f- I find interesting about Japan is that obviously everyone knows Japan is a, is a land of rules, there's a thousand regulations for everything here. And It, it can be frustrating at times as a foreigner when you don't know what the rule is. But, but when you live here, you can kind of understand why they need to have these rules. I, I think a large part of it has to do with just the population, just with the sheer numbers of people that they encounter. How do they deal with all these people in a calm and orderly way? So the ski resort is no, no exception. Like I noticed that the rental area. They've got this system down packed to really move people quickly through the rental area. Back home, if you went to like a rental shop, usually you talk to like one sales guy and he asks you about your size, your weight, your, your skill level, and he kind of customizes the package for you and then brings it all out to you. That's great because you get a kind of a customized fit, but then again, you know, he can't service all the customers at once. So you, you end up waiting around a lot. What I noticed at Yuzawa is they kind of try, or sorry, at Gala, is they try to streamline this a bit where the first thing you do is fill out a form, piece of paper, right? Which, of course, is Japan. There's paperwork involved.、Um, so you fill out this piece of paper and you enter all your details on this piece of paper. And then when you get to the counter, you just basically hand in the piece of paper. And then they got these guys that run into the back and they build your board or your, or your、uh, skis like right in front of you. Slap on the bindings, build it all up, and then they give it to you, and then you're set to go. So it actually makes the process a little bit faster. And what I noticed was that they had a, a completely separate line in case the board or the skis didn't quite fit you. And then the bindings were a bit off, or the boots were a bit off, some of that. You could go to this other line and they get it, get it fine tuned. But、uh, for most people, I noticed that、uh, it seemed to fit well and it allowed people to kind of move through this area quickly. Uh, another thing that I, th- I found interesting was that all the boards and skis and everything are the same. There's no, there's no brand name on it. They're all just like one no name brand. And they're all the same color. They all look exactly the same. So if you're out skiing and you want to come in for lunch and you leave your board or your skis outside, when you come back out, there could be like 50 boards that look exactly the same as yours.、Uh, so, to what they've done is they've put a little number, a sticker number on all the boards. So, you have to remember your number so that when you come back out, you can make sure to grab your own board. 
the easiest thing I did, I just took a picture with my phone so that I could, you know, always find my old board again. But um, I was really, really impressed with uh, the whole rental system and ticket system at Gala. The the staff actually spoke really good English. The guy who helped me during the whole thing was this guy from Vancouver, ironically. And uh, I found a lot of the staff spoke English. And uh, it was a really easy process for me to go from getting my equipment to getting on the hill. A uh, couple of things I want to mention about the mountain. Uh, the mountain is uh, its not a very big mountain. The runs are quite short. So if you're an advanced, uh, intermediate to advanced skier, you might find the runs kind of short. So you end up spending a lot of time on the, not a lot, but you spend up many more time on the lift than you probably would like. If you're a beginner skier, one thing I found kind of strange was that a lot of the beginner runs were very narrow and they had sharp drop-offs on one side. So they weren't these huge, really wide open runs that go down the mountain. There was these kind of, narrow snaky runs that kind of like twist and turn down the mountain and if you know if you're a beginner you need kind of that wide open space to make these big giant s turns as you go down the hill the last thing you want to have is one side of the trail falls off a cliff <laughs> so I was, I was really surprised to see some of these beginner run, some of these runs marked as beginner that were you know very narrow and had this kind of uh Cliffs and cl- and the one side with like the cliff side had no no rope or nothing. I mean, so as a beginner, it's really actually quite dangerous because if you get out of control, you can just slide off that and you're going for a tumble down the side of the mountain. Um, so uh, the, the other thing I noticed too, actually, that was kind of strange, uh, also for beginners, is that the area where the chairlifts, the bottom of the chairlift where you actually get on the lift, this area, the platform was actually lower than the ground around it. Now, it's maybe hard to describe, but you know that if you've done any skiing, usually the best option is when the chairlift platform is level with the ground around it, right? You just want to ski down and then go right onto the lift. But with this this mountain gal, I noticed that all the lifts were at a lower point than the surrounding area. So you had this tiny slope to ski down. Now, if you're an intermediate advanced skier or even a boarder, it's really not a big deal. But I noticed that for a lot of beginners, especially beginner snowboarders, it was really hard to be able to ski down the slope and stop in the line. Because, you know, you got these people waiting in line to get on the lift and you basically have to stop at an exact point. Otherwise, you're going to crash into everyone in line, which I did actually see a lot of. So I don't know why they designed it like this, because it's just of the of the one area where you don't want people to fall or crash into someone else. Uh, they've made it the terrain so that that's exactly what happens. Very, very strange. I don't understand that. Um, but overall, I found the mountain is not too bad. I mean, as I consider myself an intermediate skier, so I, I found it a little bit uh, short. Uh, there was a couple runs that I managed to find where I was able to go basically from the top of the mountain all the way to, down to the bottom. So that was kind of fun. But um, for being only an hour away from Tokyo, I got to say uh, it was pretty good. Um, and the last thing I want to quickly mention is the hotel that I stayed at is called the New Otani Resort. And I absolutely love this hotel. This hotel was uh, really great. They offered a shuttle bus service from the uh, Echigo Yuzawa station to the hotel. And um, the really great thing about this hotel is they actually have their own private ski resort right behind the hotel. And so my girlfriend had come up with me and she'd never done any skiing before. So she wanted to give it a try. So this 
this resort behind the hotel, I believe it's called the Naspa Ski Garden, they don't allow, allow any snowboarding. So it's only skiing and all the runs are really suited for beginners. So they're really relatively flat and they're really wide and it's a perfect place for a beginner if you've never done any skiing before. The other good thing is, like I said, like the, the, the resort is, the, the mountain is right behind the hotel. The room that I was staying in, I could just literally see the, the ski run right behind me. Um, and they have a full rental shop and everything on the uh, in the hotel. So for anyone who I think is traveling here, if you don't speak Japanese or you're a beginner or you just don't want to spend a lot of time traveling to a ski resort, I definitely would recommend checking out the New Otani Resort and the uh, Gala Ski Mountain. Um, really, really convenient to get to from Tokyo. Oh, and one last thing I wanted to mention actually um, in regards to going to Yuzawa is if you go to the ticket office in uh, Tokyo Station, you can buy what's called a Kanto Area Pass. And this pass is only available to people with a foreign passport, which is actually another funny thing from Thailand because in Thailand, usually if you're a foreigner, the prices are higher. But here in Japan, if you're a foreigner, the prices are lower. <laughs> so take advantage of your foreign passport. But if you get this Kanto Area Pass, you can basically go from Tokyo all the way to the Gala Ski Resort and you save about 5,000 yen. So it's actually pretty good savings um, over the regular price. So I'll make sure I post the links to all of this in the show notes of this episode of the G-Pod. But uh, I definitely recommend if you're thinking about going skiing here in Japan to check out the city of Yuzawa and the Naspa New Otani Resort Hotel. So joining me on the show today is Chris Wolf, who, as I mentioned in the intro, works as a wrestler in the Stardom Professional Wrestling League. And I was introduced to Chris from Andrew Smith, who is one of our Gaijin Pod contributors, who recently wrote, wrote an article titled The Knockout World of Women's Wrestling, where he profiled a number of wrestlers in the Women's Pro Wrestling League. And I never knew about this before and his article and photos were so interesting that I thought it'd be a good chance for me to kind of learn a little bit more about it and so I've invited Chris on the show to talk about what it's like to work as a female wrestler here in Japan. Hey Chris, welcome to the G-Pod. Hey Anthony, thanks for having me. Now recently you were featured in an article on Gaijin Pot talking about the knockout world of women's wrestling and uh, I was really interested to read this article to find out about the uh, women's wrestling here in Japan. And mm. uh, the author, Andrew Smith, suggested that uh, you might make an interesting podcast. And so I'm sure a lot of fans would be kind of curious to find out a little bit more about women's wrestling and what the whole deal is here in Japan. Um, to get us started, though, can you give us an idea of where you come from and how you ended up in Japan? Uh, yeah, sure. Totally. Um, actually, lastly, I was from California, San Francisco, San Francisco, California. It's been a while, uh, but I lived all over the East Coast prior to that. And America is working as a freelance photographer and, of course, like 10 billion other jobs to keep that business afloat. Um, I was engaged, and as my photography business started to take off, my engagement didn't. <laughs> it, uh, we ended up breaking up. So... Uh, at the time I'd finished with a lot of my contracts and I was kind of just like, what the fuck am I going to do? So I had a friend in Niigata who suggested I just come visit for a vacation. And that's what I did. 
you know, I just like left my stuff and flew to Japan, cried on the couch for like two weeks, binged watch Breaking Bad and decided that I want to see Japan. So rented a bike and a tent and cycled from Niigata to Hiroshima. And in those 20 days of crying, camping and fighting myself and nature, I decided to stay here. <laughs> and so I got a job as an English teacher in Saga. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, you're backpacking and hike camping around Japan, kind of trying、mm. to find out what's going on with your life, what to do next. Had you been、yeah. a wrestler before? Uh, no, I think,、um, be, well, not I think, but before when I was in high school, I practiced kung fu. So I've, I've always liked martial arts and physical contact, I guess. I like touching people. Is that weird? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, obviously, the next logical question is how do you go from teaching English to pro wrestling? Well,、uh, it's funny you say that. Like,、uh, I had a friend who had this thing called like a dream board, right? And when I saw it, I was kind of going through this period in my life where I was partying a lot, I was drinking a lot. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. My ego felt awesome when I was in the club and I felt sexy. But at the same time, it was, this, it was kind of empty. There was like that borderline between just like having fun and trying to distract myself from something that's not, that I'm not happy with. And so, like, I made myself a dream board and realized. Things that make me happy are physical challenges. And I started to look into things that what could I do to make that become part of my life? And like by talking to other people, someone suggested, like, why don't you do pro wrestling? And then I was like, okay, well, women's pro wrestling, what? So I started to research that on YouTube. And then I met someone else in a club who he just walks around in his underwear passing cocktails, but he happened to be.、Uh, A wrestler and a stuntman. And he was just like, you know, I don't have a steady job. I just do this so I can do the things that I love during the day. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea. I had enough saved and my visa was good until I don't know, whenever. So I was just like, I'm going to quit. And I turned in my two months' notice and moved up to Tokyo and just, I would teach English on the side. But for the most part, I would just,、um, like, I was still searching for like, a way to get into wrestling. I,、uh, I had a friend who suggested stardom. And I was like, okay, fine. So I went to the website. I emailed them,、uh, asking them like, about recruitment and how it works. And they're like, come to a show, tell us what you think. And so I came to one of their shows, watched it, fell in love with it because it's so different. Seeing it live than it is on YouTube. And immediately I just, I was at this, the edge of my seat and I wanted to be able to do that with my body. I wanted to fly, I wanted to move, I wanted to make people feel <laughs> that excitement. Wow, interesting. When you first went to the match and you saw、mm -hmm. it, was it different than any wrestling that you'd seen back in the States? Like, so my exposure to wrestling in the States was actually back when I was really little and saw Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Oh, Hulk Hogan was awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were insane. But at the same time, it's such a clouded memory because I've had so many years without a TV that、right. it's just like I haven't really seen the world of wrestling develop in the Western world. And so 
when I got into it here, it was again something completely new and different. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I used to watch wrestling. I grew, I grew up in Canada, and we used to have this thing called Stampede Wrestling, which is oh. kind of like it was out of Calgary. It was this kind of small deal. But actually, some wrestlers mm-hmm. from there went to the WWE and became famous. Who was it? Um, what was that guy's name? Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, I think he came from there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like wow. his brothers and all that. Owen Hart, I think. Um, yeah, no, but, they're big. Yeah, they started at, uh, I believe they actually they started at uh, Stampede Wrestling, this little small deal in Calgary. But I remember I used to watch that, and it was just awesome. And then, of course, you know, as a kid of the 80s, who can forget Hulkamania? Um, of course. <laughs> um, but then, I, you know, I haven't watched it in years, so I have no idea what's going on. But uh, So you mm-hmm. went to this match, you're like, wow, this is cool, I want to do this. And what was mm-hmm. the um, the trial or the test like? Well, the test didn't come into like months of training. Uh, I think usually people train for about a year, but I trained for about uh, four months before I had my test. Um, but that's also because, you know, I had quit my job and all I would do was go to practice. Right. <laughs> um, and the training but, is what? Is, is it learning the moves? Is it actually like working out or what? Oh, dude, the training is like three hours long of uh, conditioning wrestling and um yeah it's just that combination but the conditioning is probably the hardest part because it's this is probably two hours of conditioning one hour of wrestling right right Mm, but it's not just like push-ups and sit-ups it's like running taking bumps like uh for people who've done judo they they know what i mean it's just like throwing yourself and like landing in a certain way so you don't hurt yourself but it's still really hurts um things like that working the bag lots of in the place that we were training there were uh a sandbag so we would work on our cardio and endurance that way lots of running um yeah no and the thing is when i was a green girl still a trainee that was hard for me and now that i have debuted training is even harder oh wow really (laughs) yeah so and then what what was uh, the test like Please tell me it's not like a written test, right? Because you no, know it's Japan, no, no. right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I kind of examine like this, like picture like the exam room and all of you guys sitting there. And, the like, you know, Yeah, it's not that, is it? No, not at all. I mean, so a regular test is like you do, what is it? You do like 100 squats, you do 20 regular push-ups, then you do 20 line push-ups, then you do 100 sit-ups. And then you do like three minutes of, it's kind of like you hitting the ropes and then ukemis or something like that. Yeah. Where uh, you go, I don't know if you, you know how those ropes are really, really tight in the ring and that's so they can spring you forward really fast. Now, um, for the drills running back and forth, it's fun because it propels you, but it's like sprinting. So the entire time you're just sprinting. And when they say ukemi, then you start doing like your bumps, jumping and flipping over and landing on your back and like jumping up and like landing on your stomach a certain way. It's just like you can't stop. You can't slow down. And then you run the ropes again. And then you it's like following directions on what to do. <laughs> um, actually, my chest was slightly modified because I was hit by a car, like a, a car door while I was biking two days before. But like I, uh, I really still wanted to take my test, but they were afraid because um, it was my head that was hit. Wow, no kidding. Huh. <laughs> yeah. 
Did you so, like Hulk out and grab the guy and like rip him out of his car? No. <laughs> I wish I did, but like, so my, of course, I was like crying because it hurt so much. Right. But then I was like screaming angrily because I was like, I'm gonna, ah, I have my test. I want to debut. You know, I was just so mad. But of course, I wasn't making any like actual words. I was just, like screaming and crying and terrifying. You know, these quiet taxi drivers who should have been looking where they opened the door, but they didn't pull over. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it did hulk out, unfortunately. <laughs> Sounds interesting. And so you obviously you passed the test and you yeah. started your career. How long have you been wrestling? Oh, wait, I should add on to like a little bit more of the, uh, the actual test because uh, there's still some more. Um, after you do that, after they test your strength and conditioning, they test you on technique. So you do um, spar, you spar two of your senpais. And I think that's for about two minutes, I think. Two or three minutes of sparring for each person. And then after that, it's like chain wrestling, which is like form and flow. So you're like, you're letting them put you into holes, but you're showing them that you know how to reverse it. And you do that for about like the same amount of time for two of your senpais. And then you have to tell them why you want to become a wrestler. (laughs) Really interesting. So you give like a speech or something like that? Yeah, it's like you appeal to them because they have to vote on you. (laughs) What do you say in your speech? You can't say, obviously, like, I really, really want to do this, right? You have to kind of, like, dig deep down and come up with some holy reason why you want to be a wrestler or something? Kind of. I mean, they just want you to be honest. They want you to show them what kind of passion you have for it. And, like, my, my main thing was just, like, I saw you guys and it hit something inside. It's like, I wanted to be strong. And, you know, like as a kid from the eighties, there were some cool chicks in on TV and in the movies, but like not that many. And yeah, definitely I not want to, to compared to now. eh? No, definitely not. And I think that was, that was a big thing. And I would like, you know, to me, to influence someone, to show them that they too can be strong. I think that's the best thing you can do. Like, I I, I don't know. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> and then so once you started, once obviously you were accepted, right? And mm-hmm. you started wrestling. And then do you develop your own persona? Um, I think it's different for every person. I don't know. Like I know for myself it's basically, it's based on who I am. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do like when I am wrestling, I am kind of like a little animal and I growl and I bark and I howl. So Chris Wolf seemed to fit. <laughs> did that come about from your camping days in Japan? <laughs> Hanging out in the woods be, I, and your inner, inner wolf came out? Howling at the moon, you know, that might be it. I think like, uh, I did that during my test when I was, uh, wrestling one of the senpais and I got her in this hole and I let her, Arr! And they just got shocked. They're like, what? Okay, fine. This kid thinks she's an animal. <laughs> so you yourself come up with this character? Or do like, the, the, the wrestling people uh, tell you what to do? Or how, how does it work? Um, like the organization, do they say, like, do they give you guidance? Like, okay, we think you're going to be a bad guy. Are they going to be a good guy? Or, or is it just up uh, to you? Well, as for my character, it's it's me. I think that might also be because I'm a foreigner. Uh, so I, I did have that sort of leeway, I think. But I 
um, maybe because I'm a foreigner, I was automatically placed to be a bad guy. That part they decided. Us <laughs> damn gaijin in this country. I know. You're automatically dang. the bad guy. <laughs> Seriously, what is this? <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, I'm learning that being a heel means you have a certain type of freedom. You know, you can do a lot more things in the ring that you're not supposed to. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I remember watching an interview a long time ago with a wrestler. And he said he loved being a heel because it just allows him so much more flexibility, mm. and he just loves the audience hating on him and and <laughs> yeah. all that. Do you guys use props in your with your character? Like you know, like uh, like Jake the Snake had the snake, and um, mm-hmm. all these other guys had different props. Do you guys use stuff like that as well? I mean, there are some things that uh, me and my team are starting to develop for my character. But recently, uh, the heels have joined forces and uh, we're called the Oedo Tai. Um, right now in stardom, there are two main groups called Showa and Heisei. So I, I think Showa is the older group, right? Older years. I can't remember. I always forget. Or is it Heisei? Okay. Well, they're, they're two, they're divided by like the older girls or the girls who support like the, the more veterans and the uh, younger group. And then there's like us, the foreigners, and like the kind of outsiders who used to be the monsters. So we kind of joined forces and we're the Oedo Tai. And it's just kind of funny to Japanese people because it's like, you know, Showa and Heisei are like, um, what, how would you describe that? Like years or generations or. Right, okay. Uh, well, you know, whatever. Right. And. Edo, the Edo period is like what? It's famous for samurai ninjas and like feudal lords. So we're like, yeah, we're Edo Tai. What? <laughs> so I mean, for that we have like hoppies and like swords and um, sake and all this like <laughs> stereotypical feudal Japan stuff. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Huh? It is, and kind of ironic because we're a bunch of foreigners. Right. Right. <laughs> You say a bunch of foreigners. Are there other foreigners wrestling with you as well? Yeah, actually. Um, right now, they've flown in uh, Hudson Envy and Heidi Loveless. Both of those girls are from America. And Jaganita from uh, Spain. And these girls that come from other parts of the world, do they? are there any challenges with them adapting to Japanese-style wrestling? Definitely, definitely. They love it, though. It's Yeah, no. They they definitely have their challenges as well, but they know like once you hit your limit, you're pushing that limit further. You know, like um, how can I say this in a more like what would be some of the way? differences that they would encounter here that they wouldn't encounter back home? Um, well, one the language barrier for sure. Right. Practices in Japanese, trying to match what they're saying to something that you already knew because both all of these girls have a. Have been wrestling for at least two years or more, but in Western countries. So sometimes the terminology is different. Uh, the directions, obviously, for like migi hidari, they have to learn that. Um, Are the moves different? Um, the moves ha- may have different names, but they're similar. Like sometimes, you know how like that guy hit you in the chest. Some people hit up by the neck or right. something. Um, the way they perform the moves is a little different uh but yeah i think it's just the language barrier is probably the biggest deal that and then like the intensity of training right 
You're saying it's more intense here? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they don't work hard because they do. They're they're tough girls. But it's even more grueling over here. Like I said, it's like three hours long and it just doesn't stop. <laughs> like I, I've been doing it for a while and I still feel like I want to throw up in the middle of practice sometimes. Actually, every time. And then how often do you guys actually do a show? Uh, usually it's every weekend. Um, if there's a weekend that we don't have something, that means maybe there's going to be like two shows one weekend, either before or after that weekend. Okay. And then do you train throughout the week? Yes. I mean, I also have a day job making uh, like English YouTube videos. So I don't get to do uh, training all week. But the other girls go all week. I go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday is usually the show. Wow. That's an intense schedule. I mean, they're training all week and then, and then mm. performing on the weekend. Yeah. There's no break. Like, on the days that I can't go to training, I, I have to go to the gym in order to, like, at least be able to keep up. Right, right. Wow, interesting. And then what's the, what's the audience like? Who, who uh, are the audience? Are they primarily men? Primarily, yes. It's mostly men. Um, Old men? Lately, there have or... been more girls. <laughs> Older men. Older I think... I think that's where the fans are from, you know, like J Japan used to be really into pro wrestling and then in the early 90s and before then, but sometime a little bit after the early 90s, it started to get less popular. And so the guys that still come are fans from that period. Right, right, okay. What are the fans, uh, the Japanese fans are like, do they get, do, do they get into it? Do they yell at you or, or what? Do they sit there quietly, yeah. drink their beer or what is it? <laughs> I mean... Like, uh, I, I don't think it gets as rowdy as it does in the States. Definitely not. But I, I feel like they're cheering more. Like, maybe because there have been more foreigners coming. Some, a lot of them are, like, my friends coming to support me. Um, some of them are just, like, random foreigners that know about wrestling. Uh, I, I think when that might have some influence and people are, like, opening up and shouting and cheering more. I don't know. I can't really say because I've only been doing this for a couple of months. Right. Oh, so okay. Okay. I can't compare it to anything. When you're actually performing, when you're actually wrestling, do you, are you aware of the audience? Do you, do you hear them? Or are you just focusing on what you're doing? When I first started, like, it was weird. I had this strange tunnel vision. All of a sudden, like, it became dark and I could only focus on the other girls in the ring. But now, now I can, I'm starting to see more of the audience. I'm starting to make, like, eye contact and I'm, I'm shouting at them or like uh, the ref's trying to tell me that I'm doing something bad and I'm like I don't understand is that Japanese what you know or like fans will tell me that I'm not supposed to do that I'm not supposed to bite people apparently and I'm just like I'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> and so everything is done in Japanese you yell at the people in Japanese and they yell at you do you do any English at all oh I, I try to do both it just depends like it's hard for me to switch um, or sometimes I want to say something in English and it'll come out in Japanese. I'm like, what? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. If people wanted to go check this out, what's the best way for them to go about doing it? Um, well, actually, either on my Facebook or Twitter, I usually post when the shows are, and that's probably the only place you'll see it in English. Uh, and then they can email me for tickets. Uh, all they would have to do is go to the venue 
tell the person in the front their name, and then they could pay for their tickets well, there. Where is the venue? Where do you guys perform? Um, so in Tokyo, we perform uh, Shinkiba First Ring and uh, Tokyo Dome. Not, oh, wait, no, sorry. Erase that. Not Tokyo Dome. <laughs> I wish. Uh, Korakan Hall, <laughs> next to Tokyo Dome. <laughs> That's interesting. So what do you think the future holds for yourself? Do you plan on uh, sticking around in the wrestling world for a while? Do you want to be huge like Hulkamania? <laughs> um, Wolfamania? Wolfamania. Join the wolf pack. We'll just eat meat together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I'm not really a person that plans things. I never really have been. Um, but one of the things that I love about this is that I constantly hit a limit and it's frustrating it sucks, but then I push, I get to practice, and I get to learn something new, and my body adapts. Um, I, it's hard for me not to be stimulated by this. So, I think I think I'm going to stick around for a while and see what I can learn to do. That's mostly my thing. I don't know if people will like me or find me entertaining, but <laughs> I like this challenge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the best kind of challenge, you know. Actually, well, the one you do mm. for yourself, and not necessarily what others think. Um, so. <laughs> well, great. Thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed talking to you. And now I'm curious myself. I actually want to come out and check out a show. <laughs> yes, um, please. Just email me. Especially the photos that were posted on Gaijin Pod. The first photo that uh, Andrew sent, I was really surprised. Like These women are flying off the top rope, jumping around everywhere. And I don't think there's actually a single photo where one of them's not flying in the air. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so Awesome. Um, so if people want to find tickets, I guess they can go to the uh, Stardom website. Right? They, if you can understand uh, Japanese, I'm guessing you can get tickets from here. Yeah, or they can email me or follow me on Facebook. I will probably post that stuff as well. Um, like information on shows. Or is maybe, maybe Twitter is a better way to do it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll post a link yeah. to your Twitter page on the show notes of this uh, episode. And then if anyone wants to uh, follow up, they can do so on your Twitter page or uh, watch you on YouTube as well. Cool. <laughs> That's great. Well, awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming on the G Pod. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I had fun. Thanks to Chris for coming on the show. If you're interested in finding out more about the Stardom Wrestling League, you can, uh, are getting tickets to it. I'll post a link to their website on the show notes of this episode of the G Pod. This is number 27. As well as uh, uh, you can email Chris directly from her Facebook or Twitter page, and I'll post the links to those as well. Um, but if you're interested in wrestling at all, maybe you've got some nostalgia, you grew up in the 80s and watching uh, Hulkmania and all that, I definitely recommend checking out uh, women's wrestling because it's actually a lot of fun. Um, also, wanted to mention that uh, the hiring season in Japan is coming up. As you know, they, a lot of companies do the bulk of hiring in uh, March and April. So if you're looking for a job, I really recommend start starting now. Actually, I think you should have started back in January. But <laughs> if you haven't, you really should get started now. Um, there's, there's still lots of jobs available, but the good ones will be going fast. So if you're looking for a job, I recommend getting on Gaijin Pod. Make sure you're up, your resume is up to date. Make sure your cover letter is up to date. And send out as many resumes as you can because quickly those jobs will be gone. Uh, also, too, I want to mention that like a lot of people ask me, like, what if I'm not a native English speaker? S apply anyway. Because the thing is, Schools will write in their description that they want native English speakers because that's what they do really want. But at the same time, 
They will also look at your professionalism and how well they think you'll do in, with the, you know, with your coworkers, with the students, and and everybody else. So, if you are not a native English speaker but your English level is quite high,、uh, I would definitely re- apply to any job, anyways. Even if they say they want a native English speaker, because you never know, they might hire you. If they can't meet demand for native English speakers, they'll look elsewhere, right? So just send your resume. The key to getting a job in Japan is doing it early and just being as professional as you can. So make sure that your resume and everything are up to date. And that's it. That wraps up this episode of the G Pod. I want to thank Chris for coming on the show. If、uh, if anyone wants to go skiing again, actually, send me an email because <laughs> I'm thinking about heading up to Yuzawa again.、Uh, if you like to go skiing or do some snowboarding,、uh, let me know. Maybe we can put together a Gaijin Pod group to head up there. I think that'd be a lot of fun. The cool thing about Yuzawa actually is the fact that you could go in there in one day. I mean, I stayed overnight because I want to ski two days. But if you catch the the Shinkansen first thing in the morning. You could ski all day and then come back and be back like seven o'clock at night back in Tokyo. So it's really, really convenient to be able to go and come back within one day. So if anyone's thinking about、uh, heading up there, let me know.、Uh, don't forget to join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com/gaijinpod, and you can find us on Twitter as well at gaijinpod. That's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Anthony Joe, and talk to you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>